Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, family. Are we glad we're in God's house today? It's good to see you all. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are tuning in online. Uh, We are beginning a brand new series that we are simply calling Twisted Scriptures. Twisted Scriptures. A takeoff from that band named Twisted Sisters. You ever seen these guys? Take a look at them. Do we have a picture of them? Well, you know who I'm talking about. That's that cross-dressing band, that 80s band back in the day. The question is, and that we're going to be asking all throughout this, this uh, teaching, is, is Satan, is Satan willing to twist scriptures like he did with Jesus when he was in the wilderness? Luke chapter 4, uh, Matthew chapter 4, it shows the willingness of the enemy to take the scriptures and twist them to his own end. And, and the Secondary question is what you saw in the video. Do all roads lead to Rome? Are, are, all, are all religions, do all religions lead to God? Are they all equal and just different? Because there's a lot of people that say, well, it's all the same. Just pick one and go, and it, it all leads to the same place. Is that true? Well, I want you to know that Jesus didn't think so. Because when he was warning of the coming future that was going to happen on this earth, Prior to his return, this is what he said in Matthew chapter 24. He said, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will, and will do what? Many will come in his name, claiming that I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. In verse 11, he went on to say, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Make, let's make sure everyone has an outline because this is a, definitely an outline message. Raise your hand if you don't have one. Let's get one to you because I'm going to ask you to fill in a few things. It wasn't just Jesus that had some concerns about false prophets and, and, and deceptions happening in the church. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. He says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband. Who is that? To Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Mind you, Paul was preaching the gospel and he was building up the church and he, and, and he was like the best man. He, he was taking that role. I promise you to one husband, right? And his name was Jesus, present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. And I will keep on doing what I'm doing, watch this, in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered. What's the word he used? Is it up there? Cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered Well, let me tell you what it says. Equal with us in the things they boast about. In other words, Paul didn't think equality was the goal. He he said there are people who are preaching now and doing things today 
during his time, and he, was, he made every effort to cut the ground from beneath them if they wanted to be considered equal with what he was teaching. He says in verse 13, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising, then, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. And so, some 2,000 years ago, Paul is pointing out that Satan is up to something. He's up to disguising himself, not as himself, he's not coming as himself, how many of you know that if Satan came knocking on your door with pitchfork and horns and a swishy tail, says, I want to come in, how many are you going to let him in? Only if you're stupid, and I know you guys aren't. And so he's not stupid either. He doesn't come looking like the devil. The Bible says when he shows up, he shows up as an angel of light and masquerading as an angel of light. And then it goes on to say it's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. And so Satan disguises himself as an angel of light to deceive. And, his, and that scripture says his followers, willingly or unwillingly, will do the same. Some of which I'm, I'm going to note right now from their approach that they're very sincere. But how many know that? You can be sincere and sincerely wrong at the same time. Did you know that? And, so, and, we, and the reason we know that they may be sincere but they're wrong is because when you take what they teach and you line it up against the word of God, you'll find that in, in many places they've twisted the scripture to their own ends. And so that's why we're going to talk about it's important to know what the Bible says. But Paul, is your first feeling, he's pointing out a problem in the church. Satan is targeting nominal, wishy-washy believers for deception. He's targeting nominal, wishy-washy believers for deception. Matter of fact, the largest growing cults, and we'll talk about those cults, <laughs> one of their number one targets for getting recruits is the Christian church. Because they don't know what the Bible says. But they, they know what their Bible says. So again, what makes them vulnerable? Because it's because they haven't taken the time to read their Bible and know what it says and what it doesn't say. Now again, is that a problem today? Anybody? Is that a problem today? I bet You betcha. And false prophets and cults are taking advantage of people's ignorance all over the world. Now, probably among the fastest growing cults that are out there are the Mormons and the JWs. We're going to tackle those two first to show you what our Bible says, because the Mormons, they have labeled themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So they put Jesus Christ in their name <laughs> to make people believe we're just one of many. But are they? And we're going to be looking at them next week. This week, we're looking at the Jehovah Witnesses to see exactly what they teach, what they teach, and what our Bible says, okay? 
All right, how many Jehovah Witnesses are in the world? We're told that as of 2021, last year, there are some 8,686,980. They've got about 120,000 congregations, and they're in 239 lands where they are preaching and, and, and witnessing. And since the pandemic, last two years, I don't know if you've noticed, we've got a kingdom hall. That's what they call the churches, kingdom halls. We've got one in our area as well. And prior to the pandemic, they were knocking on doors. Remember that? Since the pandemic, they didn't stop. Churches may have stopped. <laughs> uh, regular churches may have stopped, but they didn't stop. We started getting not uh, computer-printed letters. We started getting handwritten letters inviting us to come fellowship. Anyone else get those handwritten letters? Yeah. That's, that's, that's dedication. I cannot fault that. Now, I got mine, I read them, and then I tossed it. Why do I toss it? Because, again, it's possible to be sincere and sincerely wrong at the same time. Because the JWs, after today, you're going to find out that they take a lot of the scriptures of what the Holy Bible says, even from the original text, and they twist it to go along with what they want it to mean. And so I don't have the time to go over all of them, but this Calm Ministry uh, video kind of summarizes it. Give it a few minutes. Pay attention to what he's, what he's saying. According to the Jehovah's Witness theology, God is a single person, not a trinity, who does not know all things and is not everywhere. He first created Michael, the archangel, through whom he created all other things, including the universe, the earth, Adam and Eve. The creative work of God, according to witnesses, took 42,000 years. At one point, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society even taught that God ruled the universe from somewhere in the Pleiades star system. They have since modified this and said that, well, they don't really know where he is ruling the universe from still. Such changes and even contradictions in the teachings of the Watchtower Society are frequent. And the organization justifies it by saying, well, the light is getting brighter. The truth is just becoming more known. After Adam sinned, the paradise which God had created for them was ruined. So God instituted a system of redemption which was revealed in the Bible and would ultimately lead to the crucifixion of Jesus, the Messiah. But in the meantime, God needed a, a, a visible theocratic organization on earth to accurately represent him. Throughout history, this true organization had a remnant of faithful Jehovah's Witnesses, such as Noah and Abraham, Moses and David. But it wasn't until the late 1800s that Charles Taze Russell formally began what is now known as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which is run out of Brooklyn, New York. This organization claims to be the only true channel of God's truth on earth today and that it alone can properly interpret God's word since it is angel-directed and it is the prophet of God on earth. When it came time for the Savior to be born, according to witnesses, Michael the Archangel became a human in the form of Jesus. Jesus grew and kept all the laws of God and never sinned. Finally, when Jesus died, it was not on a cross, but on a torture stake where he bore the sins of mankind. But this did not include Adam's sin. Jesus rose from the dead as a spirit, not physically. His body was dissolved and taken by God. And during his visitations to people on earth, he manifested a temporary physical body for them to see and touch. This Thus began the, the true Christian church of the Jehovah's Witnesses, at least according to them. Now, throughout history, 
There have been many faithful Jehovah's Witnesses who have managed to keep the truth in spite of the demonic doctrine of the Trinitarians that have permeated the Christian church in Christendom. Now, Christendom, according to them, is filled with pastors who are antichrists and churches run by Satan and who support the earthly governments which are all of the devil. In other words, all of Christianity is false and only the Jehovah's Witnesses theocratic organization led by several men in Brooklyn, New York is true. In the late 1800s, a young man of 18 years by the name of Charles Taze Russell organized a Bible class in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In 1879, he sought to popularize his ideas on doctrine, so he co-published The Herald of the Morning Magazine which is, uh, found with his founder, N. H. Barber. And by 1884, Russell controlled the publication and renamed it The Watchtower Announcing Jehovah's Kingdom. And he founded Zion's Watchtower Tract Society, now known as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Russell served as the teacher and guide for the organization, which taught that Jesus returned invisibly in 1914 and is now reigning in heaven. When Jesus finally returns, physically to earth, they say, which will happen at the time of the Battle of Armageddon, he will set up his earthly 1,000-year kingdom. Okay, now, during this 1,000-year period, people will be resurrected and have a second chance to receive eternal salvation by following the principles of Jehovah's organization on earth known as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. After the millennium, those who reject God and His organization will be annihilated. That is, they will cease to exist. The rest of Jehovah's Witnesses who have faithfully followed God's organization on earth will be saved from eternal annihilation and reside forever on Paradise Earth. Heaven, however, is a place for a special group of 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. They're the only ones who are born again and they're the only ones who alone are allowed to take communion in their annual communion service. These are the ones who have immortal life. All other witnesses have everlasting life. Those with immortal life do not have resurrected bodies. They have spirit bodies. Those on Paradise Earth have everlasting life and consist of a resurrected body that must be maintained through eating and rest and stuff like that. When you study with the Jehovah's Witnesses, you agree to attend five meetings a week where you are taught from Watchtower literature. You cannot be baptized until you have studied their material for at least six months and have answered numerous questions before a panel of elders. Men are not supposed to have long hair or wear beards, and women are to dress in modest apparel. They refuse to vote, salute the flag, sing the Star-Spangled Banner, celebrate birthdays or Christmas, won't take blood transfusions, and they can't join the armed forces. A schedule of door-to-door -door canvassing is required where they distribute the Watchtower literature, acquire donations, and forward all monies to the headquarters in Brooklyn, New York. If you ever leave the Jehovah's Witness organization, however, you are considered an apostate and are to be shunned. Just beware. The Jehovah's Witnesses is not a Christian religion. Did you get all that? All right, well, I'm going to highlight a couple of ten things in ways that they take the scripture that we know of and they, they twist it to say what they want it to say. First of all, you heard, the first thing I want you to write down, the Jehovah's Witness believe that the church, the Christian church at large is apostate. Apostate, write that down. That's a fancy word for meaning that we have all fallen away from the faith. We've all messed up. None of us have it right. That They are the only ones who have it right. Now, this supposedly happened under the Emperor Constantine in the 4th century A.D. 
And so what God did to restore pure worship in the last days, he supposedly appointed this guy, Charles Taze Russell, uh, of 1852 to 1916. That, this would be the founding pastor or prophet, if you will, who established the Watchtower organization to provide spiritual truth for JWs, true worshipers through literature such as the Watchtower and Awake magazines. Anyone ever get those, the Watchtower and the Awake magazines? Yes, that's what they, that's what they hand out. I, I kind of, whenever I get those, I kind of toss them as well. And you say, well, Pastor Rick, isn't that kind of hard? That you, I mean, sometimes I'll leave through it. But the scriptures teaches to not take a different gospel into your, into your life. You need, to, you need to be careful of what's being taught and brought into your home. And I promise you, you cannot give a JW Christian literature and expect them they're going to, that they're going to read it. You know what's going to happen to it? It's going to be tossed. They're not allowed to read other people's material. Understand? So, now, it's a different gospel. Now, just for kicks, when you get a chance, Google, do a study on how many end-time predictions this Charles Russell, this Charles guy has made that has, that in his lifetime, it sold a lot of papers because that's where they're selling magazines and, and stuff like that, raised a lot of money, but many, if not most of his predictions did not come to pass. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about people who make predictions about what God says and it doesn't happen before we end. Now, you'd be astounded. The fact that people are still following them is, is amazing today. Notwithstanding, as you heard in the video, they believe that they are the one true religion on this planet. Everybody else is just blowing smoke. Or actually worse, like you said, everyone else is Satan in disguise. We're the ones that are being deceived or are the deceivers. Give you an idea of how they feel about themselves. This is what the Watchtower magazine said in 1989, May, May, uh, May, May 1. Who in our time demonstrates such obedience to God's commands on love? Who have been persecuted, imprisoned, thrown into, thrown into concentration camps, or executed because they would not take up weapons against fellow believers or even unbelievers of other nations? The record of this century's history history answers only Jehovah Witnesses. Again, that was written in their their Watchtower magazine. So according to them, they are the most righteous people on the planet based on their works alone. So much so that you can't just go to the Bible that we all read and understand and find your way to Jesus or find your way to Christ You need help. To understand the Bible, you can't understand the Bible without their version interpreting it. Who knows what their version is? What translation? It's important because some people pick up a Bible. Some people come to church and say, Pastor Rick, I said, do you have a Bible? They say, yeah, I have a Bible. Let me see your Bible because they're new Christians. And then it's the version that they're reading is a Jehovah Witness version. The version of the Bible that they read, that they have written, is called the New World Translation. Write that down somewhere. The New World Translation, which they say is the most accurate, unbiased Bible version available today. But only they say it. <laughs> nobody else says it. No scholar, nobody else in, the, in, in Christendom says it. They say the exact opposite uh, of what scholars say. It's the most inaccurate translation that you can find. Why? 
because it reflects changes that are biased their beliefs. In other words, they take the scripture, they twist it to say what they want it to say. Case in point, let's go over a few of these scriptures. John 5, 8, 5, 58. Jesus is talking, right? He says, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now, if you are a Christian, you understand what he was saying, right? Christians believe that he's referring to his deity. Where's the, where's the other place in the scripture where you say, where, where Moses says, who am I, who am I talking to? And what, what did God respond? I am. I am who I am. And so when Jesus made this reference, most Christians believed that he was referring to his deity. The Jews at the time knew he was referring to, his, to he was making himself out, out to be equal with God in that statement because they, it was against the law in the Jewish community. They picked up stones in that very moment to stone him, but it wasn't his time. Now, this is what the JWs have translated, New World Translation. They say, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham, I have been. I have been. Now, how many know that there's a big biblical difference between I am and I have been? <laughs> Come on, somebody. One says I am God, and he's making a reference to, to, to his deity, second person in the Trinity. And the other says, well, the other says something else. I'm not quite sure what he's saying, other than to, to make Jesus less than what the scriptures are teaching he is. Colossians 1.16, New International Version. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Who's the him? Say Jesus. So it says, all things were created by him and for him. Speaks to his deity. They say, all other things. Right, let's read it. Because by means of him, all, insert, other things were created in the heavens and upon the earth. The things visible and things invisible, no matter whether they are thrones or lordships or govern, governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. Also, he is before all other things. And by means of him, all other things were made to exist. New World Translation. Now, again, I'm not sure what other things they're referring to, but the original text, the Greek text, doesn't have other in there. They've inserted it to, for, to change the meaning of the text. Let's continue. Colossians 2.9. I want you to read this one with me. One, two, three, go. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, get your mind around that one for a moment. Put that back up there. We're going to read it again. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Pretty straightforward, right? Easy to answer. In Jesus, all the fullness of, of God lives in bodily form. If you... At one point, when Jesus was uh, preaching and teaching, his disciples says, show us the Father. And he says, he says, haven't I been with you this long that you're still asking? Show me the Father. He says, I and the Father are one. And if you don't believe me based on what, uh, 
what I'm telling you, believe me, based on the works that I do. Blind eyes are opening. Deaf ears are opening. The dead are being raised. At least believe me based on the works that you see me do. If he say, he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? What does their say? Their say, because it is in him that all the fullness of the divine quality dwells bodily. Again, what does that mean? An attempt to twist the scriptures. And so for this reason, and to make Jesus less than who the Bible teaches he is. Now, this is the reason. They say that Jesus is not God, and he hasn't been raised from the dead bodily. He's not God, and he did not raise bodily from the dead, and that Jesus never claimed to be. But this is what our Bible says. John 1.1, 1, 1, you can read it with me again. In the beginning was the word, help me out, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Keep that up there just for a moment. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word in the scripture talking to? Well, if you read it in context, it will tell you, verse 14, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we beheld him as the only begotten Son of God. It tells you who that word is. It tells you that it's Jesus, right? So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is what they did with their Bible. No, leave it up there. Leave that up there. They put, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with a God, Wait, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with a God. Let me write that. Let me look at that again. They add the word a and substitute G for God. Was with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. That's what. They add a God, and they make the, little, they make the G a little G. So they make him some kind of smaller, lesser person. In the deity. You understand what, that, what they're doing with that? Okay. That's not the only verse that speaks of Jesus' divinity. John 5, 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken, this is what the passage I was talking about, broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself out to be what? So the Jews tried to stone him because they understood what Jesus was saying. He was making himself out to be equal with God. John 22, 23, moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the, honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So if he's not God, who do they say he is? You heard it in the, in the, in the video. Who do they say he is? Say again. Say it so I can hear it. Hey, God, they literally say he is an angel. The angel, uh, the archangel Michael, he was the one that came down as far as they're concerned. Now, this is what the Bible says about angels and Jesus. Don't miss it because it's very important. 
In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, say these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And and so he became as much superior to what? To the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which angel did God ever say, you are my son? Today I've become your father, or again I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, "Let, let God's angels do what? Now, folks, in the Bible, it is strictly forbidden for worship, for us to worship angels. Strictly forbidden. In fact, whenever angels showed up and they fall down and say, get up, I'm a servant just like you. There is only one person in the Bible that's allowed to receive worship. Do you know who that is? God, the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And speaking of the angels, he said, make his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will, re- will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but you will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you will remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And so angels have a job. And the Bible says they are ministering spirits sent to to, 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 to serve those who are going to inherit salvation. How many have given your life to Christ already? Most of you have in this room. Well, you had angels on assignment that God had sent to get you to a place where you can at least hear the gospel and start to receive it. That is their job. Those who will, they are there to help the minister to those who are going to inherit eternal life. This text is saying there is a big difference between what they are called to do and what Jesus did. Come on, somebody. And we need to know that. It doesn't sound like he's just an angel to me. Another thing that they tend to do, they insist that, that his name is Jehovah. You must call him Jehovah. If you're not calling him Jehovah, you're in error. They get this. There's a couple of scriptures that point that out. Here's one, Psalms 83, 18. Then men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over the earth. And they pretty, much, they pretty much only pray in that name. And, and you need to know it's in about seven texts or seven times in the original text. But they have inserted it in their text, listen to me, 237 times where it doesn't exist in the New Testament. There are over 5,000 original Greek manuscripts still in existence today of the New Testament. And you're you're not going to find 237 times where that word is used, Jehovah is used. They've changed the scripture. Now, furthermore, 
It's not used in the Lord's Prayer. Remember when Jesus, in either of their Bibles, when they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, and he turns and he turns to the Father and says, Our Father who art in heaven, thou be thy name. It doesn't use the term Jehovah in those texts. And so here's the crux. The Bible warns against those who would add or take away from God's word. And this is what the word warning says, Revelation 22. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy, holy city, which are described in this, in this scroll. Does that sound serious? The Bible says it is so serious to God that what he has inspired and, and through, through, through Holy Spirit-led men to put into text, do not add anything to what I'm saying and do not take away anything from what I'm saying. That's why I have, a, I have a big problem with people who are constantly hearing from God. God told me this, God told me that, God told me this, God told me that. And then what they say is not happening. It's better to say you feel led that God is telling you things. Okay, rather than to constantly be saying, God told you this, God told you that, God told you this, God told you that, and it not happen. You're putting words in God's mouth, and that's a dangerous thing to do. It goes on to say, he who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be, uh, be with God's people. And then we give you number seven. This is important. As far as the JWs are concerned, there is no place of eternal punishment. When the man read it, he said, you know, I didn't like that hell thing, so I'm just going to change it, <laughs> okay? The only problem with it is the Bible teaches it. Revelation 20.10, it says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That sounds like a place of eternal punishment to me. Well, listen, well, that's for the devil and the false prophet. Well, the false prophet would have to be a human being, right? But, oops, it goes on the same Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, and that's sexually immoral of all types. And this world is full of sexual immorality. We're living in a world where they call bad good and good bad. They can't even tell what a biological man is anymore. They've got men, women, men win, winning the women of the year <laughs> on magazines. They say trust the science of all this stuff and they can't even tell you what a dude is anymore. Okay? The sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars. What does it say? Their place will be in where? The fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the... Now, why does it call it the second death? Because the first death is, well, we're all subject to the 100% rule. 100% of the people who are born will eventually die. But that's just the first death. The second death, the Bible says is you have, a, you, you, you have an eternal spirit that's going to live forever somewhere. You're either going to live forever in the presence of God or 
live forever eternally separated in hell apart from the presence of God. And the Bible calls that, that's the second death. And so we hear in the scripture this references to hell. Jesus taught on it when he said about the rich man and Lazarus. He gave us a graphic description of what hell was going to be like. Yet, the JW, I don't like that whole concept of hell. No one's going to go to hell. Um, In fact, they said you just, if you don't make it into heaven or paradise earth, you'll just cease to exist. Where did they get it from? They wholesale made it up and put it in their Bible. They also said only 144,000 will go to heaven. Now, (laughs) this was easy to say when there was only, when they first started. (laughs) But how many, you know, how many did I say, how many, how many JWs did I say were already on the planet now? Fast forward 30, 40, 50, 100 years, it's 8 million, okay? So now they got to figure out, okay, they have to come up with something else. There's over 7 billion people on the planet. Where do they get this 144,000 number? Revelation 7, 4 through 8. Write this down. This is where they get it from. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Natali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. And so that's where they get the 144,000. The problem with that is, what do those names sound like? Help me, somebody. This ain't complicated. Unless your name is Goldstein and Rubenstein. (laughs) It's telling you, (laughs) because it's telling you that God has has reserved a remnant. Because today there's a veil over the eyes of of most Jewish people. that says in the last days that veil is going to be removed and they're going to see Jesus for who he is. And in that time, God has reserved 12,000 from each tribe. How many tribes are there in Israel? There's 12 tribes. So they have taken taken the promise that God made in the New Testament to save Jewish people, and they have co-opted it and made it their own. And it was cool at the time because they only had... When they first started, a couple hundred, maybe a couple, it now it's starting to grow, it's a couple thousand. Yes, only 144,000. Everybody else is going, is, is, is going to be obliterated. And, 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 then, uh, and then their numbers started to grow. And then they had more than, than that. And so what's going to happen with the rest of us? If only 144,000 are going to be saved, well, the rest of you are going to have paradise on earth if you meet their requirements. And if you don't meet their requirements, you will just cease to Exists. But that 12,000 in the scripture is talking, and that 144,000 in the scripture is talking about Jews being saved. They have taken the scripture and twisted it to mean what they wanted to say. We're getting to the end. Again, number nine, everyone else, paradise on earth. But again, I just remind you of what Revelation 21.8 said. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and liars, their place will 
B in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Doesn't sound like paradise on earth to me. Matter of fact, you won't even see that anywhere. And then 10, as we come to close. How do you achieve this in their religion? The difference between Christianity, what you're going to find all throughout this, this teaching, is we have to put our faith completely in Jesus and Jesus alone for the salvation. Every other religion will say it may be a combination of straight-up works or faith and works. The moment you say Jesus and instead of Jesus only, you are now in another gospel. Does that make sense? You are now sitting under the teaching of another gospel. If Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, you ain't getting to heaven. Now watch this. I didn't say it. The Bible says Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. In other words, there will be no one who gets to heaven that says, God, you lucked out for having me. Okay, pat yourself on the back. I'm a great person. No one. We are only getting to heaven by the grace of God and the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, paid the penalty that we all deserve. And when we repent of our sins and put our trust completely in him for the salvation of our soul, the Bible says in that moment we become born again and we are saved. Interesting notations before I close. If you leave, first of all, I'll tell you, you're not allowed to read any contrary material with the Jehovah Witnesses. Um, they won't take it if you offer it to them. And if you leave their fellowship, they will disfellowship you. They will disown you. And so it's very difficult for people to, once they're in that, and you'll find that with other cults, and the one we're talking about next week, they, you lose your salvation if you, if you leave their church. They, they basically tell you that you are no longer saved if you leave their church. Can you imagine that's a works-based religion, and so they will disfellowship you, uh, if you if you do that. How do you witness to a JW? Let me just put that out there really quick, because we all know some. They've been to our houses. Does God love them? God loves them. Are they sincere? I promise you they are sincere. But when it comes down to their text, they are sincerely wrong. So how do you witness to them? First of all, you've got to get to know what your Bible says, okay? Because when you, when they, <laughs> when you become a JW, they don't do what other Christians do. They will enroll you in five days a week school to learn their doctrine. And in their doctrine, you cannot understand the Bible without being interpreted through their New World Translation. It's only their Bible they want you to read. And so they're going to put you to school. So when they come to your door quoting Scripture, um, if you don't know what your Bible says, you are going to get confused. 
And so I, that's why I always say, listen, for your average Christian, uh, you know, just don't engage. <laughs> say thank you, no thank you, and, and send them on their way. I have sat there and talked with them, and when they realize that they're not going to get to me, they leave. I've had one lady turn around and say, you're crazy, and just turn around and walk away. <laughs> I was like, crazy for Jesus, because I know what you're saying, and I know where you've made the changes, all right? So get to know your word, and then just build relationships. That's about it. Build relationships, and in time, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you may be able to get through, through, through to them so that they can uh, understand what the Word of God says. Does that make sense? But again, it all starts with getting to know Jesus yourself. And so if you're here today, you're under the sound of my voice, that's the first thought. Paul says, my goal is to cut the feet out from any, anyone else who's preaching a different gospel. And you'll hear in one test, he says, which is no gospel at all, because the word gospel means good news. It's good news. It's not good news when you, when you sign people up for a works-based religion that at the end of the day, you can't even figure out if, if you're saved or not at all. Do you know my Bible says? Our Bible says that you can know that you're saved. You can know that you're saved. I write these things so that you may know that you have salvation. And then the scripture tells you, he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. Do you have the son? Have you, have you repented of your sins? Ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, to come into your life, to come into your heart. The moment you do, the Bible says in that moment, if you get serious with God, you become born again. And so with that in mind, it would be my privilege and my honor is to lead you. If, for those who may be on the fence, or not yet committed to lead you in a prayer of commitment to Jesus so that you can start out your journey. But don't let it stop there. We got life groups starting this week. Jump into life groups. Start to study what your word of God says so that you can be inoculated because the Bible says if they were doing it 2,000 years ago, Jesus said in the last days they're going to do it as well. And I just believe we're... we're we're closer than we've ever been to the coming of the Lord. Is it just me? Does it just seem like things are <laughs> taking a turn for critical worse in, in this, on this planet? But it's not time to, to, to shy away. It's time to shine brighter. Amen? And that's what God's called us to do. To, to know what our, what, what our Bible says. Know what we believe. And, uh, and then to share it with the world around us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. With that in mind, Father, we have lifted up you. Uh, you are not an angel. You are the Son of God that takes away the sins and the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Father... We do honor and we worship you. Um, if you're here today, you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, say something like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart.
Make me a brand new person in you. Thank you for paying the penalty of my sins so that I don't have to fear going to hell, but that you've purchased forgiveness for me so that I might have a place with you in heaven. And thank you that you have way more room than just 144,000 spaces that you've made room for me as well. Come into my life. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.